Hello everyone, this is Roberta Lee, the author of The Language of Tarot, and I'm back with another episode of this podcast. This is another that is based on requests and questions that I've gotten from readers and listeners who are interested in me talking about particular subjects. If there's any subject or card or type of reading or anything at all involving tarot that you'd like to hear from me about, let me know via email. There are links on every page of robertaleart.com. And you can also message me through Facebook or Twitter or just right on my Facebook wall if you become a fan there, which is now just called liking by Facebook. They've changed. They've gotten rid of the word fan, which I think has always been a little... I don't know, off-putting. So now you just like the page. I've decided to cover this subject in particular because it relates to so many questions I've gotten, uh, not only recently but over the course of time, uh, from people that are not only new readers but have been reading Tarot for a while. And this question relates specifically to the limitations of the Oracle, to what tarot is as an oracle, what it wants to tell you, what it, how it wants to speak to you, and the language that it uses to do so. And it relates also to what to say to a seeker who comes to you with a question that you know uh, tarot is fundamentally not designed uh, to answer, and also for new readers to understand those limitations for themselves, because often I think we all start by doing uh, readings for ourselves and maybe branch out from there. So what are those limitations? What are the things that, that Tarot is not designed to do? I guess the first on that list would be, uh, you know, what is tonight's winning lottery number? And and that is, I have to admit, it would be a very useful thing for an oracle to tell us that. Oracles are, are not designed to do that. And I would imagine there are a number of reasons, including the fact that what all the oracles that I know of personally, which really is Tarot and I Ching. Those are the two that I'm most familiar with. Both of them want to give you guidance and advice. They do not necessarily want to simply tell you what to do, nor do they want to give you sort of the insider edge on everybody else. And that's what something like giving you the the winning lottery number would be. It, it also probably is not something that the Oracle is particularly concerned about. Uh, your monetary situation is only of concern to oracles in how it affects you emotionally, um, your inner self. Oracles are not directly concerned about giving you a, you know, a, a head start on other people or a, you know, foot up on the ladder. So questions like that, you know, what is the winning lottery, sort of rankle oracles more than anything else. Tarot doesn't have quite the same attitude that I Ching does. Uh, I Ching will, will give you kind of snide <laughs> responses sometimes. I Ching is also a more practical oracle, and I should say right here, by the way, that I'm, I am working on a book about I Ching, uh, which I think, you know, someday <laughs> will be finished, and um, someday there'll be a, a podcast, probably not of the whole thing, because much like The Language of Tarot, the book that this podcast is based on, it's just going to be too big to do so. It is in the back of my mind, and I'll, I'll do this as an aside, and then we'll get back to limitations and, you know, what the oracle can and cannot tell you. I, so I'll, I'll digress into what I can and cannot do. Uh, one thing that's on my mind a lot lately is to, in fact, produce a podcast of the entire book, The Language of Tarot. It's a very big book, and it would be a long podcast. And I would not do it as a free podcast. I've had a lot of success selling pay-to-listen podcasts of my novels, my Suburban Sprawl series of novels, 
the first four right now of which are uh, available for free um, on a podcast. It's called Suburban Sprawl, available through iTunes and elsewhere on the internet. And from that point forward, the books are available individually as podcasts that are pay to listen. And I'm thinking about doing that with, with the language of tarot. So if you're holding off, you know, buying the book because of the, you, you're hoping for a podcast, you know, it may happen eventually, but it won't be free. And it's going to be a while because the reality is the language of tarot is nearly a 400-page book. And to do it justice is going to take some time to produce a podcast. So if you're holding off buying the book for that reason, you know, go ahead and buy the book. It's available as an ebook. It's available as a PDF file, and it's available as a bound book. Uh, all of those on robertaleart.com. The bound book also available on Amazon. So let's go go back to the the limitations of the tarot rather than my limitations as far as time goes. One of the things that I find um, with tarot reading for others is that one of the most difficult situations to handle as a reader is when a seeker comes to you uh, you know wide-eyed and they want an answer and they're they're vaguely desperate because often people don't resort to oracles at least in in our society and by our I'm talking about the United States right now I do believe considering I've sold a great many more copies of the language of tarot to uh, good folks in uh, Great Britain Australia um, the Scandinavian countries Hong Kong uh, New Zealand and Canada, uh, a great many copies have gone to Canada. I think that it's a particularly American, you know, phenomena that people don't want to ask for help or guidance until they're they're desperate, and also that there perhaps is a prejudice here in this country against uh, oracles as as such because they're based not on a particular religion, and Americans are remarkably religious people, and frankly, sort of pinheaded often because of that where they don't want to seek outside that structure and all of the oracles that I know really are outside of that structure they don't require that you sign up you know you don't have to pass a test to get into the religion you don't have to give them money you know any particular religion in order to access these oracles you just have to have an open mind Americans maybe have a little trouble with that so there's that so what happens when a seeker comes to you again and they're desperate and they want an answer to a question and you know right away it is not a question you're going to get a specific answer to. How do you handle that? And what are those questions? Well, we just talked about one. What is tonight's winning lottery number? Tarot is not set up to do that. I don't care if you assign uh, numerical value to the cards. I don't care how you try to force an answer from Tarot and some readers try to do this. In my limited, you know, but extensive, nevertheless, experience, it will not work. How would you try to force an answer? Well, one way would be to do exactly that, to have a limited deck, okay? You pull out all the cards except one set of minor arcana cards. So you've got one through ten, then you've got a page, a knight, a queen, a king. You're going to 14, all right? So, so you've got some numbers there that you could deal with. I, why is that a bad idea? It, I think it ticks off the oracle tremendously if you try to do that. It doesn't work is why it's a bad idea. I have never, ever seen anyone try to do something like that and have it work. The same is true of timing. And, and this is even more so than, you know, what is tonight's winning lottery number, which is a question you, you hopefully you won't ever get. But people often want to know when. And they want to know when in a very specific way. They want to know 
this week, next week, next month, next year? How long do I have to wait for this thing? A great many readers have systems that they have developed personally to tell time using tarot. I cover this subject pretty extensively in the full version of the book, The Language of Tarot, and it's kind of spread throughout the book, so I, I can't really just read a, you know, a chapter to you right now to, to cover it. But basically, here's the synopsis. It doesn't work. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. Uh, if you know a reader who can do that and predict time based on a tarot reading specifically and clearly, uh, I'm amazed by it. And I would also say that that reader might actually be psychic, uh, which most of us are not, and it's not really there in the cards. It's coming to that reader in some other way. There are a lot of systems. Uh, you can kind of imagine how they work out. You know, you, if you took a limited deck and, you again, you took just a minor arcana card in just one suit, and then you've got, you know, 1 through 14, or let's say you took all the suits and you said, well, the, the wands are days, the cups are weeks, the pentacles are months, uh, the swords are years. So depending on the number of just looking at a deck with just all of the minor arcana cards in it and eliminating the uh, the pages, the knights, the queens, the kings. So you, you just got one through ten in four different suites. So you, technically it looks like you could in fact generate a reading that would tell you when, how many days, how many weeks, how many months, how many years. Again, I've never seen it work. I, I think it just absolutely is not how the tarot wishes to answer questions because when tarot looks at time it's looking at you do this and then this happens or you do this other thing and then this happens how long will it take for that to happen well until this first part is done you know then the second part starts and then the third part starts after that it's fluid in other words as is life trying to force tarot or any oracle to answer a question that specific by limiting the number of cards in the deck making these specialized decks that are only to answer that I think it's a really bad idea the only time I do limited decks is to generate a significator which is a card that goes down on the table before the reading actually starts from a separate deck that's limited to just sort of the people cards so again the court cards from the minor arcana and a bunch of the major arcana cards. You can probably imagine what they are. Most readers uh, have their own thoughts on that, but certainly the emperor and the empress and maybe the hermit, you know, the high priestess, those are people cards. And and those, those significators are used to give you, the reader, an insight into who the seeker is in the context of this particular situation that's all it's about it doesn't define them as a human being and that's another point that I make often in the language of tarot the full book is that when you see those people cards come up in a reading do not assume that the seeker or the other people involved in the reading are that card the, you know the the meaning of that card only they're the meaning of that card in the context of this particular question. So if a significator or a, a card comes up in the context of a reading, you know, somewhere on the spread, and it's, let us say, uh, the Queen of Cups reversed, uh, who is emotional, maybe clingy, needy, perhaps, you know, bordering on sort of emotionally hysterical, uh, you know, very involved uh, in, this, in the situation with her emotions. Do not assume that the seeker, if that is the significator, 
or someone else involved in the reading or herself, should it turn up in the context of the reading, somewhere else in the spread, in other words, is only that. You know, that person is only that as relates to this particular question. That person might be the most emotionally stable, normal human being in the world, but this particular thing has got her wound up. You know, so she's showing up as a reversed queen of cups because this this thing, this one thing, this one little facet, this one little tiny moment of someone's life is touching on all those emotional buttons and she's reacting in an emotional and perhaps unstable way. So, okay, limiting cards. The only time I do it, the only time I devise a special deck is for that one purpose to uh, generate a significator at the beginning of the book. There's an entire section in the language of tarot about significators and how to use them. So I refer you to the book if you want to know more about that. I strongly, you know, recommend that people not do that uh, beyond that one use, especially not to generate a time reading because, again, when the oracle looks at time, it's looking at the fluidity of it. It's looking at the concept of cause and effect. When will it happen? Well, it'll happen once you deal with this thing. When will it happen? It'll happen once he decides to deal with this thing. What is that thing? That is the thing that the cards are telling you. That is the context of the reading itself. So when a reader comes to you with questions of timing, your answer is always going to be, it's going to happen when it happens, and it's going to happen based on these other factors that will have to transpire first. It's going to happen when this happens. Does that mean the tarot never tells you when it's going to happen? <laughs> you know, specifically which day, you know, which, which calendar day? No, I, I don't think it can do that. And if you have opinions other than that, if you know a reader who has a strong opinion other than that, I'd be delighted to, to hear about it. But uh, this podcast and the book itself, the, the Language of Tarot, is based on my experience. And my experience tells me that Tarot will not answer those questions. Nor will I Ching, although I Ching is a more practical-minded oracle, perhaps because of the time frame in which it was developed in China. It, it tends to be almost cynical in concept and rather political, so that questions like when will it happen uh, will tell you what to do to make it happen. Uh, a little bit more than Tarot does. Uh, I Ching, uh, and the reason that I'm working on a book on I Ching, and I use it as well as Tarot, is that it's because it's got this more sort of centered in the practical day-to-day universe than Tarot does, that it's a useful oracle to use in conjunction with Tarot. What else are the limitations of Tarot? You know, we've got it it not telling you a specific number and not telling you a specific date What other things are limits with the ability of this oracle to answer specific questions that a seeker will come to you? And the first thing, of course, and I could have started this, this episode with this, is yes, no. You know, seekers often want distinct, clear, yes, no answers. Tarot, it doesn't want to do that. It doesn't like being pinned down. You will get yes, no answers if the thing is already decided and I go into a lot of detail uh, in this in the language of Tarot. If the situation involved really is based on what one particular person will do, which I would add very few situations are really based on what one particular person will do, but if it is, and they've already made up their mind, then you might in fact get a yes-no answer from 
from the Oracle. If it already knows what Joe has decided to do about the situation, then it can show you what Joe has already decided. If the check is already in the mail, in other words, it could show you that, yes, Joe is going to pay you. If Joe hasn't decided whether or not he's going to pay you, however, the Oracle is going to look at this in the context of what might be on Joe's mind today and what might you do to tick Joe off, you know, like calling him and razzing him and saying, are you going to send me the check, which might actually delay it more than if you just sat back on your haunches and waited for the check to come. And so the Oracle is looking long. You know, it's looking at the big picture, the overview. It's sort of up above, you know, kind of looking down on all of us. And we look like ants down here messing around in our lives. And it doesn't want to be pinned down. Uh, going for yes, no answers again by creating a limited deck that only contains certain cards that you have decided are a yes or a no. It, it, it's just not what the Oracle wants to do. And I hate to say this because it, it sounds maybe a little spooky or whatever, but you can um, taint your relationship with the Oracle itself by pushing it, you know, by like repeatedly asking the same question over and over again. This is another subject uh, in the language of tarot. You know, especially new readers will often like, you know, keep asking until they either they get, you know, the answer they want or they expect or until they get something that looks more clear and solid and yes, no. It's a good thing to avoid that. And sometimes it's very hard because your own work with the tarot is coming out of your emotions just as much as when a seeker comes to you. It's coming from their emotions. They may be quite desperate for a yes, no answer. You may be as well. And yet the simple truth is that's not what this oracle wants to tell you. It wants to give you guidance to help you either understand or accept what will unfold. It may help you move in a direction that will be beneficial to you. So the question becomes not when will this happen, but how can I best move in the direction? You know, what what can I do to bring to me positive things and to recognize and walk away from negative things. The most pressing question that you can ask the oracle, the one that the oracle really, really wants to answer, it's always that question. It's always the one that says, how can I recognize and understand that this is positive for me? And go for it. Move in that direction. Accept it. Love it. Embrace it. And how can I recognize that which is negative to me, which is going to hurt me, which in the long run, I'm going to look back on and think, oh my God, what was I thinking? How can I recognize that before it bites me in the butt and walk away from it? That's the, the, the guidance, the prayer, the, the, the seeking, the searching that will allow you to reach out and, and grasp on to the oracle and allow it to help you on your path. All that having been said and done, you still have a real simple practical <laughs> situation. If someone comes to you and wants a reading, especially if they want to pay you for a reading and they want that kind of yes, no answer. And one of the most uh, common questions is going to be, is he or she cheating on me? Like people always want to know this, you know, for obvious reasons. And they always expect, it seems especially first-time seekers, that yes, of course, that's what the oracle is about, right? It should be able to tell you that. Uh, it really uh, is going to have a hard time doing that. Uh, you may get that kind of a reading. You may get an answer that you can look at and say, yeah, there's something going on here. I see, you know, potential uh, extramarital relationship in this, in this 
situation. But to give them an absolute yes and no, the same way a private detective can, you know, if they're hiding in the closet and snapping photos of, of him and her together, the Oracle can't do that. So what do you do with your seeker? How do you, how do you turn them around and say to them, this isn't what the Oracle is designed to do, but it can help you in these other ways? Well, that's it right there. That's what you say. You say, this isn't what the Oracle is designed to do, but it can help you in these other ways. What are those other ways? It can help you accept and understand the emotions that are swirling inside you. It can help you understand and accept that what you're feeling is normal and natural and has been felt by millions of human beings. It can help you accept and understand that some things are beyond your knowledge and always will be slightly a mystery. It can help you understand and accept that those mysteries of life are there for a good reason and they actually often protect us from information and knowledge that really might overwhelm us if we had it. It can help you understand and accept that everyone's path is like yours. Rocky, fraught with peril, with many twists and turns upon it, that no one's life and no one's path is a straight line. The oracle does not look for straight lines. Human beings look for straight lines. The oracle looks instead at the overview and sees all our lives as a maze, and it's intricate, and it's frightening at times. Sometimes we turn a corner and we have absolutely no idea, not only what, what's in front of us, but where we even are. That's the nature of, of human existence. And all of the oracles that I know of want to help you with that, not with some rigid system that you try to graft onto the oracle and apply to it and force it to answer questions. It isn't designed and is, in fact, unwilling to answer. I hope this episode has answered some questions. It certainly is an interesting topic. You may discuss it with me whenever you wish. You can email me. There are links on robertaleart.com. And the best way, of course, is to become my fan or just like now. You know, <laughs> Facebook has changed things, so you just have to like uh, my page on Facebook. And then you can write on my wall and you can ask me all kinds of questions. But the thing that I like best is if people give me another reason to do another one of these episodes because I want to keep doing them. So let me know what questions you want me to answer. Let me know what insights about the tarot I might have or, or might not. You know, I'm just, I'm just human. Um, that would help you understand how to use this oracle in your day-to-day life, how to interact with seekers who come to you, and how to find your path your, your own particular path, you know, which is just for you, and how the Oracle can help you do so. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it. Please stay subscribed to this podcast because more episodes are coming up, and who knows, one of them might be answering a question from you.